Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing, podcast number 82 on September 21st of 2022. In addition to answering the usual five questions from investors, I will finish reading from chapter 11 of my first investment book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. It will cover such topics as credit cards and questionable statistics provided by investment advisors. Question number one. If I invest in the stock market or real estate, how long will it take for me to become rich? Have you ever wondered if those with millions of dollars in assets from the stock market and real estate see themselves as rich? What exactly does rich mean? There's always someone richer and someone poorer. To me, a million dollars in stocks translates into a dependable annual dividend income of somewhere between $60,000 and $90,000. That is a reasonable income, but it hardly translates into what most people see as rich. If you start to sell off some of your $1 million in assets, so you can splash some of the money around to impress those who are impressed by those who splash money around, then you no longer have a million dollars. The people I know with millions of dollars own nice homes, but not mansions. They drive nice, but not luxurious cars that are not new. They go on nice trips, but always within a budget that they have set for themselves. If need be, they can come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash within a few hours. However, the reason they have money is that they don't spend it. They invest it, and they keep on investing it. They watch their day-to-day expenses closely and carefully. They research every new expenditure. They avoid debt except in situations where they can borrow the money to make far more money than whatever interest they are being charged. With a good credit rating and millions in assets, you're able to easily borrow money at low interest rates. If you prefer to not want to liquidate any of your asset holdings, most acquired their wealth over several decades. Time works well for them. A house that they bought for $125,000 40 years ago may now be worth $2,500,000. A stock portfolio of financially strong companies paying high dividends that they put together 20 years ago for $400,000 may now have a value of $2,500,000. Through ever-increasing share prices and dividend payouts, Money becomes just a number in an account. It is a responsibility to manage it well, and because they manage it well, it accumulates. Their life before they had millions and after is very much the same. Perhaps the only big difference is that because of financial independence, they have the freedom to choose how they spend their time and with whom they spend it. Question number two. For long-term investing, what are the advantages 
and disadvantages of investing in mutual funds over individual stocks. I know of no advantage your mutual fund investment has over the carefully chosen, self-directed portfolio of 20 financially strong stocks paying high dividends that I will own for the rest of my life. To acquire the 20 stocks cost me a total of $180 once over the last 18 years. I have realized a 6% annual dividend income from that portfolio that I live on. I also saw a capital gain most years in the portfolio of about 13% without needing to speculate. My portfolio has gained more than a million dollars in those 18 years. This capital gain keeps my dividend income well ahead of inflation. Before I took the time to learn how to invest, I turned over my life savings to an investment advisor. Each year, he was taking 2% of my portfolio's value as compensation for managing my money. He invested all this money in a few mutual funds. These mutual funds also took a piece of my wealth each year for managing the funds. How much? I do not know because mutual funds like to keep that hidden. All I know is that after three years, I had lost $300,000 of my life savings. Minimizing investment costs are critical to growing your wealth. That investment advisor assured me that my life savings would be well and safely invested in mutual funds. When I retired, I was told that all I had to do was liquidate 4% of the value of the mutual fund portfolio each year to live on. If I did that, I was assured that my money would last me until I was 90. I suspect it would have been depleted before I was 75. As far as I am concerned, mutual funds are designed to milk naive investors, like I was, of their savings. Advisors BS spiels about how whatever they charge you is so little that you will never notice it with the big gains that you will realize from the mutual fund is just BS. Many funds invest in hundreds of stocks, which means they are just throwing mud against the wall and hoping for a gain. These are just salespeople taught to say whatever is necessary to sell you a mutual fund. Most have no clue about analyzing stocks and building safe portfolios. It is so much easier for them to just sell you an off-the-shelf mutual fund created by their so-called exports, or should I say marketers. Choosing your own financially strong dividend stocks for safe, generous portfolio isn't rocket science. It just requires a few hours of your time, some common sense, discipline, and patience. Question number three. 
Can I learn how to become a successful businessman by reading a few books? Books are not enough. To really understand a business, you have to start at the bottom and work your way up. Gaining in-depth experience takes time and sacrifice. Entry-level jobs do not pay well, but several years from now, the fact that you really understand how the company operates will allow you to formulate workable solutions to problems that will fly within the organization. To move up in the organization requires you putting in more time and doing a better job than your peers. Employees who can consistently make outstanding money for a corporation are treasured. If you aren't being treasured, take your experience and move on. Working in several companies opens your mind to opportunities and solutions that you are unlikely to find if you stayed with one employer. It also sends a message to your employer that if they do not treat you well, you are capable of leaving. Without good employees, a corporation cannot reach its potential. Make sure you are that good employee. Question number four. What is the difference when investing in stocks between earning money from dividends and earning money by buying and selling stocks? With a dividend, you get paid money on a regular basis by the company you invest in to own their stock. Selling and buying stocks, you're not paid to own a stock. Supposedly, you earn money by buying the stock at a low price and selling it at a high price. The difference between the high selling price and the lower purchase price is your profit. This is called speculating. In speculating, you must try to carefully time when you are buying and when you are selling. Unfortunately, most speculators buy and sell at the wrong time. They usually lose their money because accurately predicting future share prices is futile. From my research, I've learned that financially strong companies who have paid ever-increasing dividends for years are most likely to continue to pay ever-increasing dividends for many more years. As well, their share prices will almost always increase steadily, but not as quickly as their dividend payouts. This can easily be proven by looking at the historical records which are easily and freely available. Even during market crashes, many of these companies continue to pay dividends. Dividends are derived from profits. Profits are the result of revenue and expense decisions made by companies' executives. Fortunately, profits are divorced from the gyrations of share prices caused by optimistic and pessimistic speculators. Question number five. 
How do successful investors handle their losses? What is a loss? If you bought a stock 20 years ago for $20, and by March of 2022 it was $120, is that a gain? If now, in September of 2022, it is now $100, is the $20 difference over six months really a loss? The stock is still paying the same monthly dividend, but it has paid for the last 12 months. Suppose over the last 20 years, those dividend payments have climbed at a much faster rate than the share price and never have been reduced. If dividend income from the stock is your objective, you have lost nothing. The daily gyrations of stock prices by optimistic and pessimistic speculators only become background noise. You can look back for 20 years at many strong stocks who after each market crash have again risen to a new record high. 20 such stocks in a portfolio will keep on growing with perhaps one or two lagging in any specific year. If they are still strong and providing a good dividend income, why would you discard them? It is only those investors who for income but sell stocks at the worst possible time to acquire income to live on who are forced to take a loss on a stock. People like me only buy financially strong stocks paying high dividends that they intend to never sell. Investing this way has not only given me a six-digit annual dividend income, but has grown my portfolio to seven digits. My portfolio grows an average about 12% most years, despite my taking out that dividend income. That is how I handle losses. It all comes down to what you put in your portfolio and what you want your portfolio to do. I will now finish this podcast by reading the remainder of Chapter 11 from Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. Number 7. Non-Residency If you live abroad for over six months as a non-Canadian resident, you can avoid paying income tax. However, it creates some complications, such as losing your free provincial medical coverage. You would have to prove to Revenue Canada that you really have severed your Canadian residency. This would require closing bank accounts and all other registered connections. For several hundred thousand dollars, citizenship in several countries without income tax laws can be purchased. Abandoning your citizenship is probably one of the most difficult life decisions anyone would ever have to make. Number eight, food. Eating fabulous meals paired with exquisite wines in renowned restaurants is an expensive form of entertainment. The bragging rights 
may make you feel good for a few days. In a week, it will be difficult to remember exactly what had been so good. Frequent gourmet dining will delay you reaching your objective of financial independence. Once financial independence is achieved, wine and dine to extent of your dividend income. Number nine, gifts. Until you get out of debt, try to avoid social situations where expensive gifts are expected. You can no longer afford to accept every invitation to weddings, showers, or birthday parties. This may be the hardest sacrifice you will have to make to achieve your goal of financial independence. Celebrations in your social network are not only important, but they are fun. Charitable donations fall under gifts. Moderate your charitable donations now so you can be financially secure in the future. Be generous when you can finally afford to be generous. Accounting, number 10. Pay your bills electronically. This not only saves postage, but creates a historical record of expenses can easily be referred to at tax time. Companies do make billing mistakes. If you think that a monthly invoice is larger than normal, review the previous bills you have paid over the last 18 months. Are there any unexplained increases? If there are, ask the vendor for an explanation. Use this call as an opportunity to also ask how you could lower your monthly billing. They will often offer discounts if they feel our customer relationship is in jeopardy. Thousands of companies distribute discount coupons. Some are instantly available online from services such as canadiancoupons.net. Number 11, credit cards. Never pay for the use of a credit card. Never incur a pass-due charge. The banks count on half of cardholders not paying their card debt by their due date. They want to charge an interest of almost 2% per month on unpaid balances. In addition, the banks are also receiving up to 2.5% from the stores who accept your credit cards. Despite this charge, retailers still love credit cards because they know that customers with credit cards do not pay as much attention to price as those who pay cash. They especially love those who see shopping as a form of entertainment. Some retailers complain how unfair it is for banks to take a percentage of every sale charged to a credit card. They ignore the reality that if they established their own in-house credit card service, they would not only incur administrative costs, but on average, they would lose 5% of their sales to bad debt. This is what retailers traditionally lost before credit cards were introduced. Therefore, the 2.5% the retailer might pay a bank is a bargain. Credit consultants will often recommend that those addicted to credit card spending should destroy their credit cards and revert to either cash or debit cards. 
While credit cards are a convenience and have almost become a necessity, it is important that you recognize that you are being manipulated to spend more money than you need to spend. Good times are bad. The banks always make billions of profitable dollars from their small charges. This may sound like hypocrisy, but bank stocks give an investment portfolio a good, solid dividend base. Number 11. While managing your investments, you will continue to be solicited by investment advisors. The following statistics are what some investment advisors accept as gospel. I have added my rebuttals were applicable in brackets. You can find these statistics and other interesting data at planwell.com. Expect investment advisors to do their best to dissuade you from self-directed investing. Conservative investors should expect to receive an annual return of 3.9% on their investments. My response, obtaining a 6% dividend return is easy. A conservative growth return would be 4.3.4%. My response, in addition to a 6% dividend return, expect your portfolio to show significant capital gain. A moderate growth return would be 4.67%. My response, in addition to a 6% dividend return, expect a capital gain. A maximum growth return would be 5.63%. In addition to a 6% dividend return, expect your portfolio to have a capital gain. The annual 25-year historical average inflation rate is 1.83%. In calculating how much money you need for retirement, the assumed life expectancy used is 90 years. If you retired at 60 and did live until 90, almost 60% of your savings would be eaten up by inflation. Example, 90 minus 60 equals 30 years times 1.83%. This leaves you with much less to survive on than you might have counted on. Some economists calculate that the average life expectancy for someone who retires at 65 is only 9.7 years. Who at 65 wants to bet their savings on being dead at 75. I sure don't. By investing in dividend stocks with good scores, there is no reason that your portfolio should ever decline. Investment advisors often throw out the 4% rule. It states, to outlive your money, you should only withdraw from your savings 4% a year if you retired at 60 and took out 4% a year for 30 years, that would represent 120% of your savings. You would have depleted your portfolio long before you reached 90, unless the income from the portfolio was sufficiently high to cover not only the 4% you were withdrawing every year, but also 2% for inflation, and probably 2% for the fees the investment advisor was charging you. This adds up to 8%. 
If the investment advisor thought you were doing well to get 5.63% return for your portfolio, make sure you die long before you reach 90. Not wanting to deplete your portfolio is something investment advisors do not seem to understand. Your purpose in life is not to provide an investment advisor with a steady income for decades as they nibble away at your portfolio. I'm quite sure they do not want you to take out more than 4% a year from a portfolio because it could jeopardize their future income. Your emergency cash fund should be equivalent to three months of your income. If you invest your money in common stocks that you can convert to cash in a day for a $9.99 service charge, three months of cash not earning dividend seems excessive. Getting cash out of bonds and mutual funds can cost you thousands and take days. They assume the target retirement income from passive investments to be 70 to 80% of your current income without government subsidies. You can probably live as well on half the income you once enjoyed. Much of your income was being lost to income tax. With age and a dividend income comes lower income taxes. Your income keeps growing as your portfolio grows even after your retire. Your objective is to reach a point in your life where your passive income exceeds your needs and you no longer face the problem of wondering how to pay your bills. Your biggest concern becomes trying to decide whether to invest your surplus cash or to spend it on now affordable but questionable luxuries. These may be luxuries that your frugal lifestyle had eliminated. I warn you that frugality is a hard habit to break. Once you accept that you're being seduced by retailers to spend, 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 it takes much of the joy out of shopping. After reading this chapter, one of the editors told me she thought a frugal lifestyle would take all the joy out of living. However, unless you're focused on your financial objective, an occasional exception can quickly become the norm and you will never establish a large enough financial cushion to protect yourself from unforeseen setbacks. Frugal living and investing do require discipline. This raises the question of how much money is too much money to save. There are cynics who suggest the financial service industry scares investors into saving too much so that the advisor can receive an ongoing high commission income from your portfolio. While this cynicism may be justified, I have not met any retirees who complained about having too much money invested. All the retirees I know have health issues of a minor or major nature. They are spending more and more on health and pain reduction products. A large growing stock portfolio is living a comfortable life insurance for them. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website.